Hello, and welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast. I am Cynthia, and usually we interview various people with either Taiwanese heritage or occasionally people I find really interesting who have no relations to Taiwan. But today we're going to do things a little bit differently. I am going to do a solo episode where I share some reflections about a 10-day meditation retreat I went to recently in Taiwan. But first, I want to run a quick plug for a new limited podcast series hosted by the United States Institute of Peace and Ghost Island Media called Dispatch from Taiwan, which delves into the policy debates within Taiwan that could have implications for the region and beyond. So I encourage you to check it out. 2024, it's a significant year for Taiwan, starting with a closely watched presidential election in January. In a new podcast series focused on Taiwan and the policy debates that could have implications for the region and beyond, we bring you voices you've likely never heard before. Local experts weighing in on social, economic, and defense issues, and individuals who are proud to call Taiwan home. They are all determined to keep the peace against its bigger, more powerful neighbor. This is Dispatch from Taiwan, from the United States Institute of Peace and Ghost Island Media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I'm back. So this 10-day silent meditation retreat I went on is called Vipassana. It's a technique taught internationally. And I did mine starting at the end of November and did it in Jai. Uh, which is in central Taiwan. Yeah, so I wrote a whole long blog post about this. If you're interested, you can sign up on my Substack. It's twdiaspora.substack.com. Some of you guys may know I went on a 30-day walk earlier this year on the Camino, starting from Portugal and ending up in Spain. And I guess it only seems natural that I continue my spiritual journey, um, if I'm going to call it that, with a Vipassana retreat. And, you know, part of this was influenced by some of the people I met on the Camino. And I also was, have been pretty curious about meditation for a long time and figured this, I have the space and time to do it right now, so might as well try. And so this Vipassana is a residential program for 10 days, no cell phones, no talking, no writing, no reading. And at the one I went to in Jai, there were about 40 women. Um, it's a mix of former students, new students, and volunteers. And typically, you have to have done a 10-day retreat to be able to volunteer. And so for these 10 days, we shared a space within a building. It was a temporary building on the campus of a church and a school. Um, and that's where we slept, that's where we ate, and that's where we meditated uh, in, in, a, in a hall called the Dhamma Hall. And the tricky thing is that we weren't allowed to interact or communicate with one another. So we couldn't look each other in the eyes, we couldn't say excuse me or thank you, um, and definitely no hugs or handshakes or smiles. So. It was definitely an opportunity to be in solitude together with others. And of course, the exceptions were that we could talk to the assistant teacher or the course manager. But other than that, we were supposed to be completely quiet. 
I've gotten a couple questions from friends who are interested in either the retreat aspect or the meditation aspect. So I hope this is helpful to anybody who's interested. And, you know, I'm just one person. So if you are curious, you should sign up and see for yourself. So I came in with basically zero expectations. I didn't really know what I was signing up for. I kind of had some ideas based on what I read on the internet and from talking to some friends, but I didn't have a very steady meditation practice to begin with. For example, I had no idea I'd be waking up at 4 a.m. until a cousin of mine told me two weeks prior (laughs) to my start date. And so, yeah, and I hadn't really regularly woken up at 4 a.m. in quite a long, long time probably high school for swim team maybe so in any case I had very high hopes that this would be an effective way to calm my nerves calm my anxieties and I even remember before I left the east coast in mid-October I had told a psychiatrist friend who also is a meditator something along the lines of this is my latch ditch effort before I turn to medication it's just been a pretty long battle with trying to manage, um, you know, mild forms of anxiety and depression for me, which comes, I think, in pretty heavy swings sometimes. And for what it's worth, being in Taiwan for the past month has been an interesting layer of integration for me, I think. And, you know, I think with the last five years of therapy, plus my walk on the Camino, plus like reading a lot of different books out there um, over the last couple of years, and building my self-care toolkit, it's been really, really helpful because I went into Vipassana in a pretty balanced mindset. I think I was probably in a better and healthier state than I've been in a while and a much clearer headspace than when I signed up. So Vipassana itself at this course, it's basically a lot of time sitting and meditating, probably 10 hours a day. And my mind is pretty chatty. And luckily, I think... For the 10 days that I was in the course, it was not as crazy as it usually is, Um, but it was basically impossible to quiet it to zero. I've been really trying hard to break this, this pattern that I have that I want to do everything perfectly or that I have to do it 100% or not even give it a try at all. And I would say very quickly, I learned that I'm just not going to be able to be 100% good at meditating or whatever that really even means. I just wanted to finish 10 days of this intact and not go crazy. Yeah, so there's, I think, a lot of things that I took away from it. And I'll try to highlight it here. Like, one of the things is that I was doing this in pretty much Chinese. And they had an English offering, which I ended up not opting in for because of other reasons I'll go into later. But I learned that the word mind does not actually mean what I thought it meant. And maybe you guys already know this. Maybe people who meditate already know this. But for me, when we say quiet the mind, I usually think, okay, we got to quiet the head, quiet the brain, quiet the thoughts. But it turns out I have it all wrong because in Mandarin, they translate mind into xing. So, you know, yao, yao pingjing the xing. And xing to me, right, means heart. So to me, that means feelings and emotions and, you know, all that stuff, the stuff related to the center of the body, as opposed to like the head or the top of the body. But that's also not correct. And I had asked the teacher on one of the days, 
because I had some confusion about what mind actually meant. And the way she describes it is that mind and Xing mean consciousness or ag aggregated awareness. And so I think probably that's like another layer of meditation lingo that I need to really focus on. But I thought that was kind of interesting, right? Like we're not talking about head, we're not talking about thoughts, we're not talking about the heart, not talking about emotions, um, but we're really talking about an awareness. So I guess that's the whole point of meditation is to be present and be aware. Yeah, so anyway, so I thought that was interesting and interesting in the fact that doing this in two languages, doing the program in two languages is probably helpful because if I had only done it in English, I probably would have continued to think that it meant the mind and the mind chatter. So what did I love about Vipassana? There are much I loved, you know, being 10 days without a phone, without being able to talk. It was an opportunity to just clear my system, eat good food, keep a simple routine. Yeah. And I, I love the simplicity and the routine. Like each day pretty much followed the same schedule. We wake up super early. We meditate, we eat breakfast, take a break, meditate some more, eat lunch, take a break, meditate again have a tea break, meditate again, and then go to bed early. And the only responsibilities that we had was to wash our own dishes after meals, to shower, to wash our own laundry, to show up to meditate. And really all other forms of life distractions are removed, right? If you can imagine we're in a closed facility, we don't have our cell phones, we can't talk, we can't write, we can't read. We have pretty much no clue what's going on in the outside world. And another thing I loved is this concept of a retreat, because when you have all the physical essentials covered, it's a really great opportunity to slow down and to really tune up, really tune into what comes up internally. And so, you know, for me, I initially thought this might raise some, it might raise up some unprocessed emotions from breakups or things I feel shame around. But for whatever reason, I think this time around, at least, that my subconscious served up mostly pretty pleasant visions of like possible dreams. And I know like neither of these is the point of meditation because we're supposed to be grounded and in the present, focusing on the breath and not revisiting the past, not imagining a future. But, you know, when I caught myself, I returned to the breath. But I did have to confess that I did let it play out a little bit longer than I normally would have, you know, like if you're in a dream state and dreaming about things, it oftentimes gets cut off. Or if you're running and thinking about stuff, you know, it doesn't really play out all the way to the end. You know, I had, haven't been able to really dream big in a long time. And it was like really, really wonderful to be able to just have the space to do so. And I guess like another point of note is that in this iteration of dreaming for me, I wasn't, or visualization or whatever you want to call it, I noticed I think I was able to go let it play out farther because I didn't have the judgmental voice piping up, you know, like the internal critic trying to say this can't be done or that can't be done or why I'm crazy for thinking about it this way. So that was super cool. And because oftentimes we would sit for one hour, two hours, three hours at a time, I was able to let these what if scenarios play out longer than usual. Yeah, so it was kind of just like following curiosity, like, oh, what if this happened? Or what happens next? Like, tell me. Part of meditation is also not holding on to the good feelings and also not preventing bad feelings from coming up. So 
I don't know, maybe I was cheating in a way. The next thing I loved about the retreat was the food. Breakfast and lunch were amazing. The volunteer cooks are incredible. Everything was served freshly made, served really hot, served on time. And every meal is vegetarian. And it was definitely crafted with love and infused with so many different types of seasonings. And I'm glad I don't hate ginger anymore because ginger was in a lot of things. Hands down, utterly delicious, just terrific. And if you have any doubts, I will say that I had some digestive issues from having a month of eating unhealthily in Taiwan. And within five days at the Vipassana Center, I was back to normal digestion. It was just, it was amazing. I don't know, I developed a ritual around eating as well, which I sometimes do at home if I remember to. And this all stemmed from my best friend's son, my nephew, who before he could even talk, insisted that we do this before every meal. And so we'd all hold hands, take three deep breaths in and out, and we'd say itatakimasu, which is a Japanese phrase for I humbly receive, which people do before eating. And it's a really, really nice way for me, I found, to ground myself before eating. And I think maybe this is part of what we do in like mindful practices or mindful eating. And I did this on the Camino as well, which I found to be just fabulous. And so I brought that here to the Vipassana Center and it was just taking a moment, bless the food in a way and the people who made it and for, you know, all the bees that pollinated it. Okay, so I did have things I did not like about the Vipassana Center or retreat and I kind of almost feel terrible about admitting this at all and I want to call it a growth edge, but I guess in full transparency, I have to, I have to at least admit the things that did not go well for me. Um, so despite everything I just mentioned loving, there are things I just could not get behind. And the key, key, key thing was the recordings. So the meditation, the group meditations were, were conducted based off of audio recordings made in the early 1990s of uh, a gentleman called Goenka. He's the one that formalized a lot of the teachings that he had gotten in Myanmar and India, which has now become this international version of Vipassana. I'll just say that he could have really benefited from having an audio producer, a speech coach, a singing teacher, because man, if you have any ounce of musical training, you might find all of the audio tapes to be a little bit of an auditory assault. And I'll just say that, I feel bad saying this at all, but I think a lot of the chants sounded really terrible by the end because he didn't breathe from his diaphragm. And so he didn't have enough air by the time he got to the end of the musical phrase. I also didn't think that he kept pitch well at all. And so things would kind of just be like a little bit out of tune. And when you're doing this like multiple times a day, I think I counted at least 12 times in a day. It really, really gets pretty intolerable if you're me. I think everybody else probably did okay, but I just, I couldn't handle it. And then the other thing I missed, which I, I didn't expect to really be cognizant of, I thought I would miss my cell phone or not talking more, but those were fine. I actually missed not having trees or grass in my vicinity. Like I had a really strong urge to just want to step on grass one day and just lay out on the grass and watch the clouds. And I was just surrounded by constant audio noise from 
trucks and the church and the schools and the toddlers and trash trucks and stuff and I think you know that's probably part of city living in Taiwan but I really wish there was more nature um, especially during art breaks okay so would I do it again I would say that all in all I am happy that I tried this course and I think it was a personal challenge for myself I'm honestly not sure I would do this particular form of meditation, this Vipassana version of it again. I mean, if they change the audio recordings, I would definitely be open to it. But sitting through that again, I think would be pretty unbearable for me. I would consider volunteering as a cook because I loved the variety of vegetarian dishes they made. And I would love to be able to give back to people who are on this spiritual journey. I'd consider attending one of the one-day or three-day courses but I don't know about the 10 day again. And I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to say that. You know, I will say that if I had 10 days to spend on a retreat, there are different ways I would prefer to spend it. And for me, I think a lot of that would be something that's much more movement oriented, nature oriented, conversation oriented. Uh, something like the Camino would be amazing. Something where I can sit and write at the end of the day would be amazing. Something that I would be able to um, have insightful conversations with people out and about in nature, I think would be just perfect. And I would love to personally organize something like that at some point. But yeah, I think for, for what it was, it was great. And I'm glad I tried this version because it's been something I've been curious about for a while. So I'll stop here. If you're interested in kind of the more minute details, you can refer to the blog post. But if you are interested in actually attending a Vipassana course, I would probably recommend you don't read the rest of the blog post so you can be at least somewhat surprised when you do go. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening and I'll talk to you all again soon. And that's it for today. Please send me a message on Instagram or Facebook at T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A or shoot me an email. It's hello at TaiwaneseDiaspora.com. And if you or other people you know have stories that they'd like to share on this podcast, please send them my way as well. Some of you have asked about how to support the show. So if you are inclined, go to coffee ko-fi.com slash t-w-d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a to donate and if you like to read check out my book recommendations at bookshop.org slash shop slash t-w-d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a and 10% of the proceeds will come back to support the show all right see you next time